Third time's a charm. That's what they say. It's what they say, Fingers Malloy. They say the third time is the charm. I always thought they said the first time was a charm. No, they say the first time you just got lucky. Oh. That's what they say. I don't know who they are. Maybe it's because I live a charmed life. It's always first time is a charm for me. Uh, we all want to be Fingers Malloy when we grow up. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, and the third time smoking the Camacho Factory Unleashed 3, the third iteration of the Factory Unleashed that comes in that mammoth crate that you can get it in if you want that many uh, cigars. This right here, medium to full-bodied San Andreas wrapper, Honduran in the binder, Dominican in the filler, coming in in one size and one size only. It is a Toro size, 6 by 50, which means it's 6 inches long. Always makes fingers really laugh. And the ring gauge is a 50. That's the diameter of the cigar or how thick it is around. Again, with the laughter, a 64 ring gauge would be a full one inch around. 50 is a nice place to be. I'm always a fan of that 48, 52. Otherwise, I'm into the Lanceros, maybe the Panatellas in that 38 to 42, 46 ring gauge. For this particular stick, the 6x50, the hand feel, it it's a little beefy. It's a bit of a billy club. Yeah. It really is. You hit somebody with this, they're going to have to put some ice on that welt. Uh, it is a, also a shaggy foot, but it's not, not a complete shaggy foot. So you light from the foot. You cut on the cap end, and that's the end that you're you're actually smoking in. So the foot is where you light. A shaggy foot refers to the idea that the tobacco is just a little bit of everywhere. It's not a clean cut across. This is actually done in a way that the wrapper, that 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 uh, San Andreas wrapper, doesn't go to the end. So it is wrapperless at the at the foot end, and thus why they call it a shaggy foot. Yeah, it from far away when you had it in your hand. To me, my my eyes were playing tricks on me. It almost looked like there was a ribbon on the foot. Right, like, a, like sometimes you'll see yeah. in, the, in the decoration. It is not. Now, the, um, the, the, the wrapper itself, the San Andreas, you've seen more and more of over the past few years. And it has been a concern of mine that it has become a little bit of a shtick, the Mexican San Andreas uh, wrapper. It, it, you'll find the San Andreas on a host of cigars. The Christoph Pistoff, which I know you like, Fingers yes. Malloy. That has a San Andreas uh, wrapper. The, uh, we have done the La, uh, Aroma de Cuba, Mi Amor. That was a San Andreas wrapper as well. There's a nice sweetness that comes off the San Andreas. The La Flor Dominicana 1994, which I enjoyed quite a bit. That is also uh, a San Andreas. So you'll find them uh, everywhere in a, in a host of cigars. It's that that wrapper... Over the last, I'm going to say five years, and, and some guys might disagree with me, say it's longer, and, and that's fine, really hit in popularity. And all of a sudden, you started seeing it everywhere and everything, the Mexican San Andreas, because it was just, it's easier, for, I, I would argue, for some to work with, but it gives this little bit of sweetness that you really, really like. But Camacho, when you smoke a Camacho fingers, now Camacho is owned by Davidoff. You're talking about the triple Maduro. Yes. That is the Camacho that you really like. And that's a big, beefy smoke. Yeah, it is. It, for this, the the wrapper, it's beautiful. It's a, is it gorgeous? It's, it's it's perfect cigar color. It's like when you think of what a cigar looks like, this is it. Medium into the darker browns. You could see the leaf. 
it's kind of uh, rustic in its feel with a, a almost almost a wet oil going on to it. Would you consider that toothy? Mm. So toothy is usually associated with the Cameroon. What I would argue is that you can feel this wrapper. Now that right there, what you're talking about on yours, that's just a natural bump in the leaf. Okay. That's not where I would say, hey, what do you think uh, of this wrapper? Because if you take a look at mine, you don't have it. It, right. do it doesn't e exist. Every leaf is different. This is a hand-rolled product. Some things are going to come out a little peculiar. It doesn't mean that you don't smoke the thing. You totally smoke it. We have just lit this up, Fingers Malloy. First couple of puffs, what are you thinking? Well, right off the bat, there's that that sweetness that you're talking about, almost like a creamy sweetness. Uh, to me, also, you're getting some wood notes and maybe a, a slight hint of chocolate. I think that you're right on all of it. Specifically, that, that, that wood note. It's a little bit earthy. It's a little bit wood. And yes, off the off the start, you're gonna get a sweetness because of that Mexican San Andreas wrapper. It's it's not a it's not an overly chocolatey sweetness. It's not a cookie sweetness. It is a it is a more generalized. Hey, this this isn't an intensity. There's not a spice bomb intensity. There's not a leather intensity. It's just a, oh, oh, that's lovely. That is 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 lovely. This is going to build in intensity. I would call this uh, a medium plus in terms of how strong the cigar is. For me right now, the draw is just a tad tight, but I'm wondering if I need to recut the cap because I did uh, my cap. I, I barely cut anything off. Right. Of it, so, so we often cut the cap shallow and that way you can cut a little bit more, maybe make that draw a little bit easier, right? That's how you're bringing the, the, the smoke into the mouth. Remember, you're not inhaling. That This is not what we do. Uh, you are toasting the palate is what you do. Sometimes you want to do what we call, I believe you call it the old pinch and roll. The old one. pinch and roll. And what you're doing is you're just kind of squeezing and rolling the cigar, kind of opening up that tobacco. But you you immediately, you did that cut. You can see the smoke everywhere now. That yeah. did the job. Yeah. Yeah. That, it happens, man. Yeah. It just happens. And so go back and recut it. Better to go back and cut than to cut too much. Because that will ruin the experience, for sure. You know what I always say? Measure 10 times, cut once. Is that what you say? That's what I say. In this case, you cut twice, though. Oh, drat. This is the Camacho Factory Unleashed number three. What works about this series of cigars is price point. This is a price point conscious cigar for somebody who wants something for the everyday, for the around the house, isn't going to worry about losing it on, on the golf course. It's not a box press. I would actually like to see this as a box press. I think it would have a lot more utility to it. Um, but this is a cigar that will work for a lot of seasons. If, if, you're, if, you're, if you're winter, you know, and, and you're in the garage, this works. If, if you're, you know, you got, you got 75 to 90 minutes and you're not worried if you have to put some of it down, this works. If you're with a group of friends on the golf course, it works. The, these these factories just just provide you a lot of option. Is it going to overwhelm? Is it going to make you say this is the finest thing I ever smoked? I don't think so. I don't think that's what its purpose is either. This purpose is really about easy and non-thinking enjoyment. Now, do you think this could be something that would be considered an everyday smoke? That's Depending on the price point. Because you can smoke this in the morning with a cup of coffee and enjoy it. Ooh, you're a tougher man than me. You're saying that now. Yeah, can, okay. I ask you, can I ask you in the second, sure. third? Absolutely. Whether you think this is a morning cigar. Um, I think that this is a cigar that you keep in your humidor 
with, with, a, with a bunch more of them, and this is an easy giveaway. Some, some friends are over. They, you know, you didn't know you were going to be doing a thing. Hey, everyone gets, gets one of these. And they know the Camacho name. Right. You could drink it with a beer. You could drink it with a bourbon. You could drink it with a coffee, whatever it is. I think that's what this cigar is for. The question is, is it in your humidor, Fingers Malloy, for 8 to $9 a stick? I mean, we're only into the first third, but so far, yes. There's a couple of these in the humidor because it serves a purpose. And that is not a knock on the cigar. That is the, the, we're saying that the cigar is worthy, but it's nice when it can be worthy and affordable. The Camacho Factory Unleashed number three. We must all eat. But if we're going to do it, we have to eat well. But it's been kind of a thing because during COVID, we decided to eat what we made. We sat there and we cooked and we baked bread and we made pasta and we gathered the family around and it was this joyous, joyous time. And then COVID came to an end and we said, oh, I guess it's back to waiting online at some fast food place and then everybody will just eat watching TV and that'll be the way it goes. It's no way to live, people. But there really is a question about how the trends have worked. What is it that people are moving to? And as we're seeing an increase in prices uh, everywhere, we're seeing that inflation number continue to move. Remember that core inflation was 5.3%, still having a tremendous amount of bankers and others concerned. How are people affording the food and what are the options uh, that they have. Guys, you know us from Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz. Good to be with you. Don't forget the new book, Let's Go Barbecue. It's available on Amazon.com. Let's Go Barbecue. Check it out for yourself. Let me bring in the chef, Joe Gatto, G-A-T-T-O. You can actually find him on Instagram at Chef Joe Gatto and his site. Look at that pretty picture right there. Joe Gatto's From Scratch. You can find him on Pluto TV, Channel Six. One one over there at Pluto TV. It, it's good to have a chance uh, to, to talk with you, Chef, uh, because the it's true. We ate at home and we had a great time eating at home. And then COVID ended. And now the question is, is anybody still eating at home? I mean, yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's what I do. You know, I help people learn to cook at home and through my show, through my radio show, through my book. You know, it's all about cooking from scratch, and that's what I do. So, so Tony, like, when I say that, I mean, like, I, I go as far as I can with food. So I'm hand-forging my own knives. I'm pulling water out of the Atlantic and making salts. I'm making my own charcoal. You know, I'm trying to really push it as far as I can. So when I get into a teaching situation, it's very easy for me to show people how to shortcut it so they are cooking at home. I think it's a very important thing, not just from the sense that you're eating great food, but that connection that you make when you're at home and you're cooking with your family, there's a lot that goes on. There's a lot of history. And when you're getting to other countries, there's, you know, all the heritage and just people passing on what they've learned through the years. Uh, the cultural things matter. The cultural things matter greatly about how food uh, connects people and grows people. It's one of the things that we discuss uh, in, our, in, in our books. It's one of the things that we, we share constantly all the time, chef. Uh, that the the cultural connections matter greatly. I found that people, you know, it, to the extent you could silver lining COVID, I'm not trying to silver lining people's health or or the political aspects of it, but rather rather what some families got out of it was a moment to connect and reconnect with those cultural things. Nothing, nothing is more culturally connective than food. 
Well, food, you know, that's what's great about food. I, I mean, I have such a passion for it, and it's so deeply ingrained in me and my DNA from doing it with my mom. But, I mean, it really is. It's, it's more important than people think to – you can order a pizza out, and I'm sure it will be great. But to actually make a pizza at home, you're not even just creating a great meal. You're creating a great memory. So now let's, as as we see people have have morphed and, and COVID is is over and people are back to to a, a regular life, are, are you finding that people are still searching ways to do that home cook experience, or is it okay that phase of our life is over? And now we're back in the uh, order from uh, from Papa John's face. There's nothing against Papa John's. John Schnatterer, uh, Indiana guy. Good on you. Well played. Yeah, I, I mean, I still think that doing it at home is more important than anything. And it is that connection. It is that that time that you're spending and learning about. I mean, you can learn about your grandmother's sauce. You can learn, you know, I get stories from my kids. I have, you know, five a 10 and a 13 year old, and they're in the kitchen with me all the time. So I feel that, yeah, the pandemic pandemic changed it a bit, but it, it really started people realizing that cooking at home is something that they should do. I, I should do is, is, is an interesting one, right? Because uh, it, it, do you think it's a should do because of cost? Do you think it's a should do because of, of health? Do you think it's a should do uh, because of, of family? Yes. <laughs> um people people take have a hard time with that one that cooking yeah. at home is actually a much more cost beneficial uh thing to do because there were some reports out there that you know going out for a steak it's actually cheaper to go out for a steak than it is uh to make a steak at, at home i never believed it but i saw those reports they were out there of course it's not it's so much cheaper to do things at home to go out to eat People are charging, you know, you to get there. They have to pay staff. They have to pay everything else. It doesn't work that way. But doing it at home, not only are you controlling what you're eating, you're understanding what you're eating, which is a very, very important thing these days. You should know what's going in your body. Plus, you're spending time. All of those factors play in. And I'm a big believer in it. I really think you should be cooking at home a lot more than you're going out. You know, going out and occasionally you know, having a meal, everybody does that. I do that and I enjoy it. But relying on that is something that I don't think you should be doing. I don't think you should be eating out, you know, four times a week. It's just something I believe in, you know, and it's something that I preach, let it be my shows or anything else. I really do believe that eating at home and making food is a huge thing. Talking to Chef uh, Joe Gatto right there, G-A-T-T-O. But you talk about pulling your own salt from the Atlantic. Yeah. Like, that's not cooking to people. Okay. That's fetish to people. I, Which is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't expect people to go and do that, you know. And I did it for my show, and I don't do that to make a meal. I'm not going down to the corner ocean and pulling out salt so I can, you know, salt my water to make mozzarella. But I do make everything from scratch. I do make every meal at home. And I do, you know, like grind my own flour and things like that. Sure. I don't expect people to do that. But what I do want people to do is realize that cooking at home isn't as hard as they think it is. That it's 
cheaper as well. And you're buying ingredients. I like to shop a lot and I don't load up on ingredients a lot of times because I like to make different things all the time. But, you know, when you're cooking at home and you're getting your family involved, it's not as hard as you think. People have this overview and I teach everything. You know, we teach huge classes here in Boston constantly from, and everything's from scratch. We're making from sushi to dumplings to pasta we're making pizza and we're pulling fresh moths. Like, and we're doing all these classes in an hour and a half. And I have a radio show on NPR where I make everything from scratch on it. And we're doing it in a half hour. So it is accessible. You just have to know how. What happens is people get stuck on recipes and they, they only make those recipes. And anything outside that gets intimidating and it's too hard and it's too much shopping. But if you start getting a pattern down and really start doing it and digging in, I think you're going to see that it makes a big difference. It makes a big difference to sit down and have dinner. It makes a big difference to watch your kids chopping or making tortillas. We're having taco night tonight. And I've got some pulled beef going for a couple hours in a really simple just salsa I made. And it's just braising away. And my kids, when they come back, probably in like two hours, what's it, three? Yeah, they'll come back around 515 from being outdoors playing, they'll come in, wash their hands, and we'll make tortillas together. And then we'll have taco night. I love that. Keep it here. We have much more coming up. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. With all the cigar talk and all the grilling talk, and wait till you hear Chef Joe Gatto talk about hot dogs. You're going to love it, Fingers Boy. Oh, good. I'm assuming that he's going to say something like, uh, ketchup doesn't belong on a hot dog. Wait for it, Fingers Wait for it. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Fingers Malloy smoking the Camacho Factory Unleashed number three, the third iteration of this cigar. And Fingers, it is time for News of the Week. Oh, okay. What, is it not? Well, I thought you were going to briefly talk about the cigar because I'm getting into the second, third, and to me, it's mostly a medium. You think it's more of a full? I think that it it will probably Keep build building? a little bit longer than that. But you, being a professional That's true. who does this on the daily, uh-huh. I think uh, it is what it is. You, you may just see it as a medium. That's okay. absolutely true. Well, as you know, Tony, people around the country, they call me America's happy hour anchorman. I hear they call you Johnny Good News. They do. Newsrooms around the country, when they refer to Fingers Malloy, the happy hour anchorman, they, they call me Johnny Good News because of all the good news. Right. I like to share on eat, drink, smoke. Well, Federal Reserve Chairman Jerome Powell on Wednesday affirmed that more interest rate increases are likely ahead as inflation is well above where it should be. Yeah, that was that, that was that was last week. Um, yes. This was. Uh, I mean, the problem here is that people took the Federal Reserve not raising interest rates in June. And said, happy days yeah. here again. Da, 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 dee, dee, dee. And they got really excited. And they didn't pay attention to the fact that in Europe, they experienced their second negative quarter of GDP. And the definition, the dictionary definition of a recession is two negative GDP quarters in a row. Mm-hmm. The Federal Reserve has always been clear. People not listening is inconsequential. Always been clear. Inflation is not where we want it to be. We are not near the target rate of 2%. And the beatings will continue until morale improves. We're going to keep doing this. They also didn't pay attention when the last inflation report came out. They said, oh, look, inflation is down. 
It wasn't down. Food and energy are these volatile things. When you take them out, you get to something called core inflation. And core inflation was 5.3%. That is not a good place to be. The interest rates have to keep going up. And then there's the whole credit crunch conversation, which if you want to make your head spin, I can do it. It's super ugly. I heard uh, an economist the other day talk about how we could be seeing inflation going into the mid-2030s as baby boomers continue to pull money out of you know, because credit has been so easy to get and and they're pulling their money out and in, in for retirement right that capital costs are going to continue to rise as baby boomers retire and so that the yeah that is certainly possible the baby boomers retiring is also a conversation about workforce yeah and and other things like that but the 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 you are still spending there's nothing to really buy and uh, that increases interest rates then you're increasing you know you're increasing interest rates to bring or that increases inflation then you're building the interest rates to try and bring down inflation then comes the credit crunch moment holy crap there is a series of um used car outlets across the southeast that had to stop selling for a while and they may still be out of business for all i know because the bank said they wouldn't lend them any more money we're talking about to buy used cars. Never mind a lack of used cars, etc. They wouldn't lend the money to buy used cars because they didn't feel there was enough of a market for people buying used cars. So if they wanted to actually get the money to buy more used cars, they would have to pay a much higher interest rate because people can't afford the interest rates right now to buy used cars. That's called a credit crunch. People can't afford the interest rates where they are, so the interest rates go up because the people who still need to borrow the money, there's more risk in them being able to sell the product, so they have to pay a higher interest rate. Holy crap. There are so many unusual things that are happening in the economy today. I read a story the other day about how repossessions of Harley-Davidson motorcycles are actually going down, and it's not because people are having a hard time making their payments. It's because they're having a hard time finding people who are willing to repossess vehicles. No. Just like everything else when it comes to uh, the tightening of the workforce and and finding good employees. I mean, think about it. Uh, I, I admire people who are in that business that have to deal with what they deal with to repossess a vehicle or a motorcycle, the amount of garbage that you probably have to deal with on a daily basis uh, may be overwhelming at times, I would right. think. So uh, just crazy things like that are, are happening. And, uh, you know, it, we going back to the, the, the credit crunch and with interest rates going up, Americans were so addicted to borrowing free money. It was free. So long. I agree, man. That it's it's really a hard pill to swallow for you know 10, 15 years. You've got these low interest rates, and then all of a sudden, in the grand scheme of things, a six and a half percent mortgage would be would have been normal under most circumstances in, in the last what 40 years or whatever. Right. It, it, there were some time in the obviously late 70s, early 80s, where people would kill for a six percent mortgage. Right, and they were paying double digits. Easily. Yeah. So your point about the baby boomers is a really interesting one. First, they're out of the workforce, and that creates an issue. Then they're they're utilizing the the equity in their home and things like that, and they're pulling that 
out as, as, as well. More cash in the system, therefore inflation stays up. Then there's this credit crunch conversation, continuing to push the rates up, even if the Fed were to want to bring rates down. Oh. Yeah. And we can- Johnny Good News, yes, that's what they call you, right? Exactly. People are cutting the cord, Tony. They're getting away from cable. They're getting away from satellite. Uh, AT&T's profits from DirecTV dropped by a billion dollars this year as cord cutting grows. That's billion with a B. It's a lot of money. Yeah. I, I have a theory on this, and it's not just the cord cutters. Right. As someone who was a longtime NFL Sunday ticket subscriber, one of the things that was frustrating was you were tied to DirecTV. DirecTV had the exclusive rights to NFL Sunday tickets. The only way you could get it was through DirecTV. There were some workarounds, but for the most part, you had to be a DirecTV customer to get NFL Sunday ticket. Well, now, Google, YouTube. YouTube is going to be the the service provider for NFL Sunday ticket. And I think a lot of people who have been frustrated over the past 20 years of having to be direct TV subscribers are like, I'm done, I'm out, I'm moving on. Take I the think, dish off my Yes, ex- exactly. So I think while there there is a conversation that can be had about how many people are, are continuing to move away from traditional cable and satellite services and cutting the cord, uh, I think a big part of this too is a, a lot of Americans are like, I, I can finally <laughs> divorce myself of DirecTV. I'm going to be able to get my NFL Sunday ticket somewhere else. You're excited about this? I'm apprehensive about it. I, 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 at first I was excited, but I've been seeing lately, and I, I believe we reported on it a, a few weeks ago about how YouTube TV had some problems streaming the NBA Finals. And I'm going to be pretty ticked off. You're spending considerable amount of money on NFL Sunday ticket, and your game is two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and you're going for a game-winning field goal, and the service cuts out on you. Heidi comes on. (laughs) Um, I don't know why you're bothered with not being able to watch the end of a Lions game just to see them lose. Nine and eight, baby, last year. Going to win the division this year. What's what's the Colts record going to be this year? Oh, the Colts record is going to be zero and four billion. (laughs) The Colts record. I don't know, man. Uh, Richardson looks good. There's a lot of upside to the Colts this year. Oh, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be awful. I I, I will say this. And, of course, I root for the Colts as well. They're going to be fun to watch. Yes. I I think with Richardson, if they're going to let him start week one, I think that they're going to be I argue they let him start week one. You yeah. figure that athleticism will carry him through, and, and you hope for the best, and you might as well get him the experience. Yes. You're, so you agree with that? I absolutely agree with that 100%. You agree that the Lions are not going to go 9-8? and eight. No, they're going to go 11-6. Uh, and six. Really? Forward down the Are field. we putting money on this? That's betting. It's legal. See, drink smoke. There's a big question on what to drink for Independence Day, and for some people, there's only one answer. Beer. And a lot of it. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy. Find everything at EatDrinkSmokeShow.com. And a wonderful Independence Day coming up for everybody. Keep it safe. Keep it good. And it is Independence Day, not the 4th of July, please. We're not savages, after all. But Independence Day does fall on the 4th of July. That's correct, but we call it Independence Day. So we're here, as we often record, at Blend Bar Cigar in Indianapolis, Indiana. BlendBarCigar.com. And and we said, what would make a solid 
Independence Day drink. What would you hand people when they're walking in the door and clearly something got lost in translation because they handed us two godfathers? <laughs> and we said, I'm sorry, is this in a martini glass? And they said, why, yes, it is. A godfather is scotch whiskey, one and a half ounces, with a half ounce of amaretto, a lemon twist, and a couple of cherries there for good luck. And I said, this is a this is an Independence Day drink? And, and Brian, bartender extraordinaire, said, oh, this isn't actually a godfather. This is a Kentucky stepfather. I'm like, what in the world's a Kentucky stepfather? He goes, I just made it up. <laughs> this is a true story, so help, so help me. This all just happened. He goes, instead of scotch, because it's, it's all American, it's Independence Day, bourbon. One and a half ounces of bourbon, half ounce of amaretto, lemon twist, couple of cherries on a stick. Fingers, that is chilly cold right there. Yeah, it is. In the martini glass, but nothing about a martini glass signals Independence Day. <laughs> well, not with that attitude. If the martini glass was made out of red solo cup. There it is. Perhaps, and maybe. But it's a pretty looking drink. It is. And... Oh, it's a good smeller, too. I gotta tell you, I can't remember the last drink I've had that has amaretto in it. Amaretto on the rocks? Amaretto sour. Amaretto sour? But I don't go to a bar and order an amaretto sour. No, no, you don't. So No one does. Amaretto is one of those drinks you appreciate, but you very rarely have. I gotta tell you, back in my bartending days. You call that the heyday, I do believe. (laughs) Yes. This was in the early to mid-90s. When Zima was a thing, Tony. Ah, uh, Zima, gone too soon. I can't tell you how many young ladies would walk into our bar, walk to the jukebox, put in a sawbuck, and play all of the Alanis Morris set that they possibly could. And then they would come over and say, Fingers, give me a Zima with a shot of amaretto in it. And that was their, what the kids called back then their jam. Is that's that they, right? Yeah, that's what they would do. Well, I want to do this because we don't do many mixed drinks. Oh, if, if there was Zima. <laughs> Z, for, for those who don't know, Zima is like White Claw today. But oddly enough, less pretentious, <laughs> which is nearly impossible. No, that was Zima Gold. That what was the hell was Zima Gold? What the hell was Zima Gold? You missed the whole Zima Gold phase? Uh, oddly enough, uh-huh. I was very busy doing things. Zima what? Gold was like Zima, except it was it was gold instead of clear. I can't and did tell it taste you the, differently? What do I know? Do I look like a <laughs> Zima drinker? I didn't have Zima back then. I'm going in on this. All right, he's going I'm in. I'm going on, on this. The, the Kentucky Stepfather, one and a half ounces of bourbon, half ounce of amaretto, uh, a lemon twist, and then, uh, and then uh, a shtickle of fluoride. Oh, a shtickle of fluoride. Very nice. He's going in, ladies and gentlemen. He's doing the Saginaw Swish. Oh, that's sweet. Oh, that's Oh, ha ha. Oh, that's sweet. That's too sweet for me. It's too sweet for you? Oh, that's too it's, sweet. It's the amaretto. It's the amaretto, yeah. But oddly enough, the nose is great. It's pretty good. It's just it's just too sweet. That nose is terrific. That lemon twist, so pronounced, matching with the amaretto. It is a great nose. You like want to put a little dab behind each ear. <laughs> do I, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do I, do I look sophisticated with this drink in my hand? Let's talk stocks, you're, shall you're, we? Are you, are you wearing a Detroit Lions t-shirt with some Harley shorts? <laughs> well, there's that. And then, yes, you look sophisticated. Take a sip. Take a sip. See where you're at. Ah. That's sweet. I, 
it's good, right? That's the part that's bothering you. It's good. You're like, I could do this. One sip, one gulp. Daddy's done. <laughs> Guys, I may have found my my Independence Day drink. It's good. Yeah. Now, this is not something that you could say, you know, uh, another four rounds. Let's, let's no. get this going. Uh, but one after dinner? Yeah. It's actually a really cool <laughs> twist. Like, that's a fun, sophisticated drink that you could actually do a little sipping with. Yeah, like, that's that plays. It's weird. It plays. Here's how immature I am. Right? I wanted to hate this. <laughs> I wanted to hate this drink. It is good. It is good. It is oh. good. I don't know if it necessarily pairs. We're smoking the Camacho Factory <laughs> Unleashed uh, number three. There, I'm into the second, third of this cigar, and has certainly built in its intensity. But that little sweetness is there, really nice on the wood, a touch earthy. It, the cigar is moving for me, man. It's ha- solid. Yeah, have you said uh, the the intensity is building for you? It has built up for me. It has built up for me. That that much is true. I'm not really noticing that, but you know, you are kind of dead inside. Just let me uh, enjoy my Kentucky stepson. Now, stepfather. Step, now, step, bartender step, Brian has brought us another drink. It's a Kentucky stepfather, yeah. bourbon and amaretto with the lemon twist. So you brought us another. Now this one's pink, and very. This is very, very spring, summer, Independence Day. Brian, get over here. Well, what what is drink number two? Well, it's embarrassingly one of my favorite things in the world. It's a uh, vodka lemonade and cranberry juice. It is delicious. Does that have like a name? Can we can we give it a? Can we call it the Jefferson? Can we call it the? Can we call it the Madison? Does the same made out of Madison? Can we anything? I love it. Any any for any one of the forefathers will work. All right, so this is vodka. A Moscow Paris Hilton. That's what we're gonna call it. It's not that's not what we call it. Thank goodness you put this in a rocks glass with a lemon twist. Wait, it's vodka, it's cranberry, and it's it, lemonade. All all the things I love. Okay, well, I'll go in first this time. All right, fingers well on, I should ask. Fingers well, are you ready for this? I've been ready for this all year. He's gonna do the Kentucky chew. Guys, have a little fun with your drinking. Try things. Get out. He's so mad. He's so mad that he likes it. I wanted to hate this, too. It tastes like pink lemonade. No, it tastes I'm going yeah. in. But maybe the eyes are playing tricks on me, but it tastes like pink lemonade with a little vodka kick. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If the plan is to get someone at the party drunk and they don't know it, this is it. This is it. I feel like we need a boat and fireworks. And honestly, both of these drinks. Right. Uh, this oh, actually, we're, the vodka, lemonade, and uh, cranberry. We're calling the Tommy J. The Tommy J. The Tommy J for Thomas Jefferson. Oh, okay. We're gonna call I this see the that. Tommy J right here. Um, oddly enough, I, I like the Kentucky stepfather more. I I don't know what it is. I mean, it, it does have this that, that amaretto really brings a sweetness. I could go for a little more lemon in there to try and cut that. This one's too sweet. But but people are going to drink this by the pitcher. Here's the other thing, too. By the pitcher. I love the cocktail cherries. Do you? Oh, my goodness. Oh, I can't eat those. Oh, oh, you can have them. Put a whole bowl in front of me right now. Really? It helps with your gout. I, that, I don't believe that's true <laughs> if it's coming out of a glass filled with bourbon and amaretto. Well, not with that attitude. Look, it's Independence Day. Celebrate by trying something interesting. That's our advice to you.
It's a topic that has nearly torn Eat Drink Smoke Nation apart. This is Eat Drink Smoke. I'm Fingers Malloy along with Tony Katz. And Tony's going to continue his conversation with Chef Joe Gatto. And they're going to discuss one of my favorite topics, how to properly top a hot dog. One of the uh, episodes you have a uh, chef talking to Chef Joe Gatto from Joe Gatto from scratch dot com. You should check out the website. Joe Gatto's G-A-T-T-O-S Joe Gatto's from scratch dot com. I got to make sure I get it right, sir. That's the, that's the key to a conversation like this. In episode number three, you do hot dogs versus hamburgers. Yeah. Now. First, the idea of one making their own hot dog and casings and everything else. And when you have kids like mine who actually keep kosher, now you got to find a casing that isn't pork. And, and, and you got you right. You got a whole thing ahead of you right there. So you end up buying. You don't make it. Um, first, people can make their own hot dogs. Oh, yeah. I mean, we still do it. It's a And look, that's not something you do all the time. That that takes a while. I mean, you're grinding meat you're emulsifying meat you're stuffing meat there's just a lot to it but it was really fun because when we finished it and we stuffed them and we had all of those and then we smoked it and then we just finished them on the grill they were absolutely the best hot dogs i've ever had i mean we ground homemade bacon into them and they were and then we made pretzel buns and we made mustard and I would never do it all the time. It's it's a ton of work. Yeah, well, grinding up bacon and then the casings is one of the reasons, two of the reasons. The, the emulsification is actually the hard part. Like when you have to take that, all that meat you ground and freeze it, and then you have to whip it so you're aerating it, and it gets super, man, that took forever. But like I said, it was absolutely out of this world. So I do it like occasionally for a party, but grinding your own beef for burgers, just do it. Yeah. Now that much, if you can, I, I believe. And by the way, the emulsifying, is that a good smell? Oh, it's lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think my wife wants me to turn it into like a bathroom spray. Yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's telling us a lot about how the marriage is going. I, I guess uh, you brought up the hot dogs. You brought up the mustard. So uh, on the show, we have a constant fight fingers. Malloy and I, uh, my, my co-host and also the co-author of let's go barbecue right yeah. there. Get it. Amazon.com. Let's go barbecue. Make it happen. Can you put ketchup on a hot dog chef? I ask you right now as a grown man, can you put ketchup on a hot dog? Don't give me the answer. You think I want to hear Give me the honest answer. Ketchup on a hot dog, yes or no? You can put anything you want on a damn hot dog, just like you can on your pizza. That's right. It doesn't affect me at all. I, I have, I have, no, I, it does, you can slather that thing in mayo. You can put lard on it, and you could, you could put it all over your body. I don't care. It's your hot dog. Do whatever you want. I don't. I, I, I honestly. Like, that's one of the things I get asked all the time. Like, can you put pineapple on a pizza? I don't care what you do. I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> so, so wait, so right. you're, a, you're a personal no. You're not another person's no. Right. I'm a no. Well, you know, occasionally I do like ketchup on my hot dog, no. I my still, I, I grew up that way, but not all the time. You know, I prefer mustard if, uh, if I had to put a, you know, if I had, 
if I had a really, if you put a gun to my head, I'd take mustard. Because and, and relish is okay. Onions are okay. I think onions are a must. Relish, I'm going to take it or leave it on a relish. I, I don't, I'm not a huge relish guy. I never have been. My dad was a relish freak. He put that on everything. I, I I love it. And I look, I grew up in Jersey, born in Brooklyn, grew up in Jersey. And and there's a part of me that always thought it was an East Coast thing. And then I saw what they did in Chicago uh, to hot dogs. I'm like, okay, clearly not. But there's something about that. It's pickle soup, as Fingers Malloy calls it. And I don't care. I just want to eat it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, like, I've had hot dogs with every single thing you can imagine from chili. You know, I love a chili dog, right? So, I, I mean, like, if you're putting chili on it and then you're scolding someone for ketchup, you need to look into yourself a little deeper, my friend. Talking to Chef Joe Gatto, you can find him on Instagram at Chef Joe Gatto. There's, I mean, I, I want to stick to the topic just for a minute. And it sounds silly, but there's really an, an interesting economics at play, which is, you know, when you talk about making your your own uh, hot dog there, there, Chef, and um, when when you go out, we go back to restaurants, you go out for a burger. We're at the stage now, depending on where you live, you can pay $12 to $14 for a burger. Or more. Or, or more. Agreed. For a burger. That's absolutely, uh, that's absolutely true. But that's for a burger. There's the fries and you're getting the drink extra. It's usually a side, whatever it is. You could not get anybody in all of America to pay $14 for a hot dog. You cannot do it. But if there's still work involved in creating the hot dog, you can create something that's a pound of, of, of actual beef. Something about that shape and that style says, it, I think maybe it's Costco's fault. It's supposed to be a buck fifty in right. soda. You can't get anybody to pay for it. Um, are there any other foods wow. you could think of where it's like, it doesn't matter how much work you put into it. You can't get Americans to spend that kind of money. That's a great question because I mean, back in the day, that's what sushi was, right? Sushi was, uh, looked upon as a low grade food and, you know, and now, right. It's so high end. That's a great point because the hot dog, I think is the poster child for that. Right. Because no matter how you gussy it up, no one's going to pay for a hot dog. But I mean, ultimately, there's a lot more work in a hot dog than there is a burger. I mean, and what's the you're grinding beef or you're grinding pork. It's it's strange, right? Because it's the reputation that precedes it. Yeah. So no matter what happens, that that's it. Right. It's like a reality star. They're just kind of like always got this weird vibe to them. They'll never actually be a star. Right. They're, they're the uh, hot dogs are the puck of food. So well played, my friend. Exactly. Exactly. That was a real world reference, everybody. That's yeah. how old school uh, we are. Gen yeah. X for life right there. Uh, before I let you go. If I'm not mistaken. That, that could have been San Francisco. That is absolutely right, sir. Before I, I let you go. The one thing people should be making at home that they are not. Go. Pizza. Make your pizza at home. Okay. Do do a 72-hour dough. It's really easy to do, and you're just leaving it in your fridge to cold ferment. The dough comes out fantastic. It's way better than anything you can buy at the store. And then just, you know, making pizza sauce at home is super easy because you know you don't have to cook it, right? That you cook it in the oven. So you only cook it in the oven when you cook the pizza. You never have to cook it which is the key to that. 
And then you got, you know, whatever you want to put on top of it, even pineapple if you want to. But I say make pizza at home. It's a super fun project. It's really easy to do and it's customizable. And if you really want to go nuts like we do here, you know, you can always pull your own fresh mozz, which is a super fun thing. Chef Joe Gatto, the show, Joe Gatto's from scratch. That's with an S in there. Joe Gatto's from scratch.com. Check out the website. Find the show on Pluto TV. Chef, I appreciate you taking the time uh, yeah. to be with us. Really do appreciate it. And don't forget to head over to eatdrinksmokeshow.com, eatdrinksmokeshow.com, and be a part of what we're doing. Be a part of Eat Drink Smoke Nation. Pick yourself up a mixed drink. Well, you don't pick one up. You actually make one. We've got the Kentucky Stepfather, that bourbon, that amaretto, a little bit of a lemon twist, and some cherries. we got the Tommy J, named after Thomas Jefferson. You've seen pictures, probably in books, with the lemonade, the vodka, and the cranberry. We went mixed drinks for Independence Day, getting people ready for the good time. Look, there's always beer, but there's always something else. It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. I'm Tony Katz, and that right there is Fingers Malloy. There's also a copy of Let's Go Barbecue. Get it for Independence Day right now. Great gift as you're heading over to see dad or the or the or the father-in-law or anybody else. Find it at Amazon.com. Give it a five-star review. Let's go barbecue at Amazon.com. Well, as you know, I am uh, the house historian here at Eat Drink Smoke. Is that right? Yeah, everyone knows that. Uh, Thomas Jefferson, huge vodka, cranberry, and lemonade fan. That's what I always heard. That's what I always heard. I don't know about your books. My history books, they were complete. I am beating myself up a little bit about the Ben's Chili Bowl thing. Because it's been a few years since I've been to Ben's Chili Bowl, and I'd forgotten what the, the chili tastes like. It absolutely has meat in it, but it is much more of this thick slather of things. And that's the way I think a lot of people do it when they're getting chili on top of something as opposed to how I view it, which is true actual chili. Unless, of course, we're having the conversation of beans or no beans in chili and I do no bean chili, which I believe is a proper Texas style, no beans. I did not know that. I believe I've got that correct, but I'm not an expert. When we write, let's go chili. <laughs> honestly, I don't think we're ever going to write, let's go chili. I just don't see that one happening. It would be more of a pamphlet. I right. Think. Right. Maybe a novella. <laughs> we'll write it as a love story. But Fingers I, Malloy. I, I love this drink. The drink is great. I'm telling you right now, this with the with the bourbon and the amaretto, originally it's the godfather, which is scotch and amaretto. But we did it as the all-American drink, putting in bourbon for Independence Day. It's very good. Yeah. With the lemon twist. The key is the lemon twist. And that's what I was going to ask you, because I'm thinking about making this at home, but I'm usually not one to put a, you know, buy a bunch of lemons and have them on hand to put lemon twists in my drink. I was going to to skip it, but I think it's actually a crucial element in the drink. And of course it is. You want to be able to cut that sweetness of the amaretto a, a, a little bit. You want to brighten it up and really get some other flavors going on on the tongue as opposed to being overwhelmed by something. You want it to move and have a multiplicity of flavors. You absolutely need the lemon. Are Get you, the lemon. Are you Buy a lemon. <laughs> what can I do to put you in a lemon today? Right. Are you a mixologist? God, no. God, no. I'm the worst. When we've talked about the next book to write, we've we've talked about writing Let's Go Drinks. Yeah. And the history of mixed drinks and the Sazerac and the Hurricane. And there's so many 
incredible drinks. We've reviewed like the Woodford Spire there for, for the Kentucky Derby, things like that. There's a great history and a great story, but the people who can do the, like, I know what flavors this brings. I know what this brings and how they, how they meld. That isn't where my palate lies. You know, e- even with what we do with bourbon and rye, it's taken a long time to be at this rudimentary level. Yes. With cigars, because I do it more often, I've gotten much better at it. But some people are just, they're just naturals to it. I'm not a natural. Oh, the- so I would have a hard time writing Let's Go Drink. Uh, let's go drinks, but I would do it. I'm often amazed at what when I read some analysis on cigars, and I'll read some reviews. You know, we've always considered ourselves cheerleaders for the industry, and uh, we, we don't get too deep into a review. When you see some guys out there coming up with 10 different notes, you know, there's a hint of nutmeg. It's like, Wow. I, I can't pick that out at all. Do I think that sometimes people are overdoing it? I do. Is it obvious that some people really know how? Like like on bourbon, it, bourbon is, is it clear that, that Fred Minnick actually knows what he's doing? Yes. It is completely clear to me that Minnick knows what he's doing. Is it is it um, Elizabeth McCall, I believe is her name, who is now the master distiller at Woodford, who I, I did an interview with her a few months back. Is it clear that she just has it? She's got the palate? The answer is yes. She 100% has it. And I, there are some people who can do that with cigars. The owner of Blend Bar Cigar, Corey Johnston, he can do it with cigars. He's just been around it. He just has the knack for it. It's unbelievable. But everybody's got a skill set. And one of the skill sets Fingers Malloy has is to do news of the week. He is the man. You know, they do call him America's Happy Hour Anchorman. That's true. They call him Johnny Good News. Absolutely. And he, better than anybody else. But you, let me tell you something. Oh. You give me Peter Jennings or you give me Fingers Malloy, uh, I, I take Fingers Malloy. Isn't, isn't Peter Jennings dead? Uh, rest his soul. Only because they couldn't remember Tom Brokaw's name. <laughs> oh, by the way, if you want to know who Peter Jennings and Tom Brokaw are, you're going to have to go to Ask Jeeves. <laughs> I stole that line from you. Thank you. It's time for News of the Week. So the FTC is suing Amazon for tricking and trapping people into Prime subscriptions. This is nuts. Nuts that supposedly Amazon is every... If you're not a subscriber to Prime, you know, the free delivery thing and the, the videos and everything else, they'll always put the button in front of you. And they'll make it act like you have to hit that and subscribe in order to be able to get your product. Now, I have never encountered it, so I'm not going to take the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission's word for it, right off the bat. I want to see, I don't want to be told it, I want to see it. I want to see where they actually did this so I can question whether or not a rational person would know how to avoid it or it's really duplicitous. Yeah, they'd say that they designed it to enroll shoppers into auto-renewing Prime subscriptions, and the regulators also accuse Amazon of purposefully building a convoluted, multi-step cancellation process to discourage people from quitting. And what it reminds me of is quitting the gym. Right. Oh, that guy, the guy who does cancellations (laughs) isn't in today. (laughs) 
Right. Nine billion people work for Amazon. Oh, you want Tommy. Tommy's not in today. I mean, that happened to me, and, and you're, you're referring to the story. I tried to quit a gym here in Indianapolis, and they said, well, no, I'm sorry. That person's not here right now. Can you come back on Tuesday? Someone right behind me said, I want to sign up for a gym membership. They're like, oh, talk to Tom right this way. I was like, oh, Tom can't do the cancellations, but he can sign people up? No, apparently he can't. So it, 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 you have to jump through a, a bunch of hoops to quit the gym. Apparently, the FTC is saying that you have to jump through a bunch of hoops to, to get rid of your Prime membership. Years ago, Wells Fargo got ripped apart, fines and everything else, because they were opening accounts for people that they never opened. Oh, you opened the checking here. We opened the savings for you. We did a this. We did a that. And then charging fees, and people didn't know they had the accounts. Oh, they got ripped asunder. That's what this story reminds me of. Let's argue that for the sake that it's true. Why, why would Amazon do it? And if you tell me for the money, it's Amazon. Is it really worth that risk? Or did they say, we'll, we'll sign up X, we'll pay a fine of Y, we'll make the money, it'll be good, it'll make our stock price look good. Bingo. I oh, think that's exactly hell. what it is. And to me, listen, I don't know if you have a Prime membership, but I almost feel like at this point, for for me, it's just part of uh, almost like a utility at this point because I have so much delivered to my house from Amazon that it's like, well, that's just the price of living in America in 2023. The problem is I have an Amazon, and then I have a Netflix, and then I have a Hulu, (laughs) and eventually some of those have to go. They just have to go. There's There's only so much I can watch. There's only so much I want to be a part of, but I think the Prime is going to stay. You, I think that's it. Clearly, you need to go back to basic cable. Is that what I need? It brings everything together under one umbrella. That's that's what they do. That's what they say they do. I'm going to I'm gonna pass. I am not going to pass on this drink. The Kentucky Stepfather, the bourbon, the amaretto lime, uh, lemon twist, and, of course, the Tommy J named after Thomas Jefferson, the vodka, the cranberry, the lemonade. This is what you drink this Independence Day. Or beer. <laughs> or beer. I'm not going to tell you no. Drink your beer. And this Camacho Factory Unleashed, number three, the third uh, uh, installment, it's a fine smoke. And for 8 $9 a stick, there's a few of these in your humidor. You're never going to feel bad about giving it away. You got some friends over. You're smoking these. You're on the golf course. This cigar will work for you. 8 to $9 a stick, absolutely. Have a brilliant Independence Day. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Follow Eat, Drink, Smoke on social media, on Twitter, at Go Eat, Drink, Smoke, on Facebook, facebook.com slash Eat, Drink, Smoke, and Instagram, at Eat, Drink, Smoke Podcast.